you're having an amazing day. And if not, I hope today's conversation gives you a little of what you need to turn it around. Welcome back or welcome to this conversation on As It Goes. I'm Lydia, the founder of Reself. You know, we're all just figuring it out as it goes and conversations help us along the way. I met up with Marco Santini in his studio to talk about his artwork and approach, the importance of art, and so much more, including mentoring, anthropology, social media, and NFTs. His website is linked in the show notes if you want to get a deeper sense of his work before we talk. Otherwise, if you're joining us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, this is our first video episode of the podcast, so you can head over to Spotify or YouTube to watch the conversation where you will see Marco's work behind us as we talk. Before we dive into this conversation, Reself just launched our digital community space. Use the link in the show notes to join for free. You will be able to comment on this episode, ask questions, discuss with other Reself members, as well as discussing and sharing on conscious living. With purchase of any workshop or Recalibrate membership, you will be invited to join the private channels for those offerings to dive deeper into them and facilitate more integration. All community members receive access to exclusive events, content, and discounts. Upcoming intimate community events include book club, discussion on As It Goes episode topics, following a live Q&A format, fundamentals of mindset, and a sneak peek at the upcoming Coming Home workshop. Links are in the description. As Thich Nhat Hanh reminds us, if the practitioner does not take refuge in the community, he will abandon his practice after a few months. Thus, a community is absolutely necessary for continuing one's practice. And continuing one's practice is absolutely necessary for conscious living to be our authentic way of being, which is why we've launched this space to help further and empower Reself family members conscious, authentic living. I'm so excited to connect with you in our community space. Now, without further ado, join me in conversation with Marco Santini. Would you like to introduce yourself, Marco? Sure. My name is Marco Santini. I'm an artist, mentor, and inventor based here in New York City. I found my life's purpose to spread love and positivity through art and education at the beginning of 2018, and I've been doing that in many different ways, very fortunately. Uh, since then. Nice, nice. What was the first art piece that you did that um, you felt like, or did you always feel like, this is something that I want to do, should do, feel called to do? Hmm. Well, I've always considered myself to be an artist in some way. I always felt really curious and just, I was always experimenting and trying new things, whether it was throwing paint or mixing things or seeing what could be thrown onto a canvas, whether it was I worked with sand, I worked with rain, I worked with wine, and I was just always kind of messing around to see what would happen. And I never really understood that art could be a profession where people could pay you to do your work. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a really limiting mindset early in my career. It wasn't until I started uh, getting a little bit of interest in my work through my wedding painting. So I basically decided to invest in myself. Early in my career, I was going to a lot of weddings and birthdays and parties, and every time I did that, I had to pay money to buy a gift. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna take that money, I'm gonna invest it in myself, and I'm gonna challenge myself to make a really creative, specialized, custom version for that couple, for that mm-hmm. person. And so it pushed me into new boundaries and new limitations to really try new things. And it also ended up being a really personalized, one-of-one awesome piece for my friends. And every time I did that, not only were my friends really happy with it, but it also became advertising inadvertently for other people to see it and want it. So mm-hmm. I did these wedding paintings where I would take photos of the couple, either from their, uh, either from the wedding that day and give it to them later, or uh, talking to their photographer who kind of shot their engagement photos and getting those and painting those photos. And I really believe that love can be this balance of fantasy and reality. And so usually I would keep the couple uh, in photorealism, uh, photographic representation, in, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, real life. Mm-hmm. But then surrounding them, I would paint words that were important to them, ideas using crazy colors, and 
and uh, saturations to really show what I think is the fantasy and the excitement that love really brings to a couple. And so it was then in creating those that people started saying, hey, can I get you to, can I hire you to do that for my friend or for my wedding? Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like people are responding to this. People want to pay me money. Like I saw that that was just so cool that I could do what I loved and also get paid for it. And it really helped me to value not only my work, but my time and my creativity and really trying to gauge how to start as an artist because I had no idea when I was starting. Yeah, yeah. What I think what you highlighted too about the, the starting off with a limited kind of mindset, I think is what a lot of people experience who have that creativity or innate drive to you know, knowing that that's their gift and their purpose, but I think especially in American culture, it's very difficult to see, you know, I think the messaging is so much like only 1% of artists get to, you know, live their art as work, you know? Um, at least that was like my understanding of that. and. Um, the messaging I received around it. Well, I've, I've heard two very, very distinct ways of looking at art as a career. Mm -hmm. And the on one extreme, people say you have to focus on it 100% of the time. It has to be your, your whole uh, life and purpose. And that's the only way you can really improve and make it happen. And the other end of that spectrum is try you know, moonlighting, try it on the side mm -hmm. while you're still making money doing other things mm -hmm. so you can support yourself knowingly and have that stability, yeah. but then also kind of see what can happen. So if it doesn't work out, it's kind of you're hedging your bet. If it doesn't work out, it's okay, you can still fall back on your day job, but if it does, you can kind of try to figure it out. And that was actually what I did. Mm -hmm. So I was working in marketing and branding for a while, and I, had, I was working in business strategy and development and I really enjoyed the creativity of it, but I just felt I didn't always resonate with the brands I was working with, selling, yeah. you know, sodas or unhealthy products or things that just didn't relate to me. And I'm like, I have these crazy, awesome, and creative ideas for these companies, but I don't—they're not, you know, saving the world. They're just trying to make more money and do right. things that I didn't necessarily believe in. And so, I took a huge leap of faith, and I basically started doing the art on the side around then. I also started mentoring uh, and tutoring students, uh, middle school, high school, college students of all ages, really, and was able to, during that time, test the waters while I knew, hey, I'm safe. Living in New York City is not easy. Anyone who's doing it, you, know, you start out living in a shoebox with a million roommates, and it's very, very uh, difficult. But I knew that I could, you know, cover my expenses with this and still be able to, you know, afford uh, my art supplies and do that. Like, that to me, my first like thought of success in like my career was being able to cover all my bills and still have enough money to mm -hmm. buy art supplies mm -hmm. and like be able to experiment with that like in New York City. That was a huge moment for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it really allowed me the freedom to then go out and say, okay, I'm going to do this because it's, it's, it's really risky. And everyone's like, well, what if you, you know, right. what if it doesn't work out? What if you don't have enough money? It's like, those are really debilitating, limiting mindset aspects. And it can be really tough for people to get past that. And I know a lot of people there, I always... You know, I had a lot of love and encouragement in my life that helped me feel like anything was possible. And that's a big part of why I still speak at schools because I want to give that to kids and, and creatives out there because there's so much untapped potential that can be bringing so much beauty to this world. Mm -hmm. But it's just really, really risky. And you have to be able to take that leap of faith and believe in yourself to, you know, to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so amazing that, you know, you do that and you do the mentoring and you, you know, look for and, you know, take those opportunities to speak because that one interaction, that one student in the audience, that can be life-changing. Absolutely. That's what my mom did for me. And she gave me this confidence and, and love and support from an early age. I mean, both my parents really, but they would ask me from a very early age, they wouldn't ask me what I was doing. They would ask me why I was mm -hmm. doing it. Like, that slight distinction made me think a lot about my process and why I was doing the crazy stuff I was doing. Yeah. But they just made me feel like it was okay to fail. It was okay to try out what you love and, and do these things because that was what my was speaking to my soul. Yeah. And I just felt so compelled to not only take advantage of that, but then to share that with other people because you're right, changing that one person in the audience or giving that other one other person just the confidence to explore their creativity could lead to a, such a beautiful 
uh, you know, access to all of us really to have to have another creative, you know, expressing their, their potential. So I really believe in that, and it's it's definitely scary, but I think there are many ways to make it less scary. And yeah. uh, I'm just grateful that we all have uh, different ways, whether it's physical world, digital world, social media. There's so many ways to really showcase our work mm -hmm. to see if we can take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've shared this quote on the podcast at least once before, but um, you've probably heard it. It's Pablo Picasso. It's the purpose of life is to find your gift. The meaning of life is to give it away. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we can get into this now. Um, I think that that then touches on why it's so important that art be in our lives and why art isn't um, something that's superficial or necessarily just for beauty. It's also something that um, is deeply necessary for for the human human experience and for the human soul and our well-being. Yeah, my, my biggest lesson in art, my biggest takeaway has been that art is not about the physical piece at all. Art is about storytelling. That's when we talk about the philosophical aspect of it. You know, you think back to the history of cave drawing, understanding, mm -hmm. you know, the uh, seeing what they saw out in the wilderness and portraying that, or portraying themselves, not like it was, it was showing what the story was and to remember. And I feel like a big part of my artwork, as we discussed earlier, is this collaborative nature. You know, it's not just me. I might be the person painting it or, or having the final uh, marking on it, but I am getting my ideas collaboratively in every single space I get from the people, from the community, from the party, from the event that I'm at. And yeah. I love to kind of tap into the pulse of what's happening in that space at that time. Mm -hmm. I love going into events and asking people a question, you know, what's important to you? What do you value? What do you love? What do you see? And it just like really gets people to be in the present moment, mm -hmm. to, to ask them a question that sometimes they look at me like I have two heads, like, what do you ask me? What do I value? I've never answered that. Like, right. And it really just gets them to think in a more positive direction. And then they see their contribution in the painting in the mural mm -hmm. and they feel so excited by it to be part of it in that moment that they you know, want to take a photo with it they want to share it they want to just be excited more excited so i love that my art is not one dimensional i feel like it's very multi-dimensional i love that it brings a, a communication uh, and a conversation together and i love that people can feel part of it and, and understand that we're really in this together mm -hmm. yeah yeah the being in this together, especially like you said, I, you know, people looking at you with two heads when you ask them some of these questions, it's like sometimes we don't even ask ourselves these questions. And then to maybe we have asked ourselves those questions, but regardless of what someone might bring to whatever you're asking them and, and contributing to your piece, doing so in community. In, in that conversation is so powerful and meaningful. And like you said, that energy and the excitement of that is, I mean, to me, like it's a whole other dimension of what art is and can be. Mm. And I really, I really resonate with what, what you do in that sense. Because like I said, you know, and it's not, it's not to say that one or the other is better in terms of like working alone in the studio and sharing that piece with others or um, creating in, in community live as you do. Um, but it's, it brings different things to the table and, and it's not like, um, there's nothing cliche or cheesy about it. Do you know what I mean? It's very much the power of art to move society forward. Absolutely. Yeah. For, for example, this weekend, uh, two days, I'm going to be painting at this carnival. And I'm going to be painting kind of a geometric theme design similar to what you see behind us. But I'm going to be asking people in the moment what's important to them, gathering words from the community, and painting their words in this mural that's going to then stay at the carnival and hang out. And it's like, I just love the interactive aspect of bringing that so that they feel seen and heard. That, I mean, when I go to schools and I ask this question to students mm -hmm. and I paint uh, either a painting or I paint a mural for them, 
to see their faces when they see their word in the mural, in their space, like brightening it up. They, they, they feel so seen and heard. They feel like they are part of it. They're more motivated. Yeah. You know, I believe that our diet is not just what we eat. It's everything we consume, right? Yes. So, so from the positive messaging to the colors to the geometric designs. And so I try to give a visual feast of positivity to these different locations and places that I I paint so that it can just raise the overall energy. And I've just mm -hmm. seen so many people relate to it in such a fun and, and meaningful way that just like encourages me to go out and do it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I love that, you know, you have pieces that you've done, if you want to explain what's behind us, but you have pieces that are in public and also, you know, more like private pieces. Um, and the carnival thing I think is so cool because all different types of people with all different types of interests and beliefs and everything congregate in that space. And to perhaps introduce someone to a perspective or an energy through your work that they might not have considered otherwise, or even if it's that subconscious interaction with it and the brightening of their spirit from that, there's... It's really cool. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of other artists there, but you know, what I like, you know, I kind of come in with an idea. You know, I'm not just painting my message or my idea. Mm -hmm. I try to come in. You know, I'm like, I have these spray paint colors, and I'm gonna just listen and feel what's happening that day, and that is what the inspiration is for the individual piece. So it's always different, mm -hmm. and that's why I really like murals because they're large scale, they're free and accessible to everyone. Everyone can understand it or, or appreciate it, and I just. I love that you don't have to walk into a museum or pay to be in a gallery or vice versa. Like it's just open to the streets and anyone can see it and interact with it. And especially with my pieces that have many different words and many different languages, you know, people really relate to certain aspects of it. You don't have to necessarily even see the whole thing, but one part pops out. Mm -hmm. And I just I love that. Like when I paint my my one love logo, which now has love in over eight different languages inside the heart, it's so amazing to see people immediately spot their own language. It's like, it pops out of this different way. And I like to describe my work as this almost weird, like, uh, where's Waldo of sorts? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, the more you look, the more you see, and as you find it, you know, like, you're like, oh, that's a heart. And then you look closer, like, oh, that's a heart. It has, you know, English, it has the word love in there. And I like, look at it a little closer, I'm like, oh, it has all these other things. And I just love that interactivity because when, with a mural, you paint it and you leave, yeah. you don't know what's gonna happen. But you want to have that conversation with people, and not, mm -hmm. it's not just like one special, like, okay, there's that design. It's, yeah. it's just so differently interpreted by anyone who sees it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the logo right there. This is actually how we met. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Can I tell the story? Yeah, please. Quickly? So uh, I've, worked, I've worked as the creative director for the uh, UN Women, United Nations Women New York charity and their big message is bringing quality to the world and ending gender-based violence. And so I worked with them for a little bit before joining as a board member and creative director. Mm -hmm. And a few years back, 2019, I designed this logo for them with the word equality in many different languages inside the heart. And it was so random how I met the woman who brought me in. And it's just like, you never know who or what can lead to something interesting. I, was, I painted a window at this shop. Uh, and I was there explaining my work, and then this woman saw it, loved it, and introduced me to this person. And, that, and it's like it's, it's a beautiful, spontaneous flow of creativity. Definitely in New York, but I feel like in everything. Yeah. And I put this uh, idea together, and it kind of exploded. They sent it out to all these different countries. Yoko Ono tweeted about me. I don't even have Twitter, and people are like, "Oh my God, she just mentioned you!" That's and I'm like, sick. "That's pretty awesome." <laughs> uh, and just kind of exploded. And so Sama Yoga uh, yeah. ended up taking these, uh, buying a few of them, and they like sold out. It was amazing. And we maintained a relationship. And then I went to paint with the Bloomingdale's uh, at Sono, and they came over, and we had this great conversation. I just loved their energy and their vibe. And then we decided we were going to create, you know, a similar. Uh, a geometric reflective tape design in their space to kind of honor what they're doing, but kind of bring a little bit of extra mm -hmm. uh, energy to it, and mm -hmm. it just worked out well. And then I got to meet you, so I feel like the beauty of art is connection. It's like yes. manifest right here. Yes. Good story. <laughs> I still can't believe that Yoko tweeted about it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so cool. Ironically, she was the first celebrity I saw in New York City as well. I was on the High Line. And I saw her w walking down in the opposite direction with like a huge 
and a posse of people. Uh, and I was like, full circle, she'll never know this, but like, I saw her as the first celebrity in New York City, and then she later tweeted about me. So. That's so synchronistic. Right? Wow. <laughs> wow. What a beautiful sign. Yeah. Um, okay. Where? Okay. Do you want to talk about um, your studying? linguistic anthropology and yeah. I mean I see that so clearly then in in your art and how you use language and words in communication in context with symbols and everything so yeah please <laughs> thank you yeah it was definitely not that easy to understand going forward yeah. looking back it's like oh yeah this totally right, makes sense right so I went to a Catholic high school uh, very very uh, specific and then I go to Brown University which is like the most liberal school out there mm -hmm. and it has this open curriculum and you can choose all these different classes and I had no idea what I wanted to do at the time I thought I was going to go into sports broadcasting because I loved sports in high no school uh, I hurt my hamstring playing sports I thought I was going to play in college I didn't and I'm like okay the other side of that is sports journalism so I worked at the radio station on campus I worked at two Olympics with NBC uh, 2006 in Torino and then 2008 in Beijing. Wow. And I just love that idea of sports broadcasting on the other side, mm. but it just it, it didn't really fulfill me because mm -hmm. you, the story was always about somebody else mm -hmm. and you didn't get to share your true story. You, I mean, a journalist is amazing because you get to cover that other story. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's an art all in itself. Um, so, still within college, before that was happening, I was like, I wanted to just kind of follow my interest. And I mm. was so fascinated with communication in college and not studying communication with the idea of how we communicate mm -hmm. from not only body language and words, but meanings and symbols and ideas and colors and everything we do can be expressed in infinite ways. Mm -hmm. And so I got really excited by linguistics, which was a little bit too scientific for me, but it was like the, the sounds and the shapes and how languages evolve. And I love that in the essence, yeah. not necessarily in like kind of the greed, right. level, <laughs> like the, the idea that really excited me. And then anthropology, this, just this idea of understanding the broad diversity that this world has, and how people just exist differently, how they communicate differently, how they uh, just all these different pockets of, of community, and that's just really, really fascinating. So this idea of like putting them together, I was I was so interested in it. I had no idea what I was going to do with it, but I just followed my heart. I was like, this is going to be it. My, my parents had no idea like how I was going to translate it to making money after college. I'm like, yeah. don't worry, I'm going to make this happen in some crazy way. And for a while, I looked at it as almost a scientific version of marketing. Mm -hmm. Because you're understanding how people communicate, mm -hmm. you're understanding their needs, and trying to hopefully deliver on those needs. And I felt that that was helpful in a marketing branding strategy perspective. Totally. But then when I really transitioned full-time into art, I understood that my real core love was in kind of going into these communities and trying to understand who they are and representing them mm. as they are, not how I wanted them to be. Mm. Uh, and an interesting story in relation to this, so I, I painted a mural, uh, a few murals in Puerto Rico one summer, and I was going to speak at a school, and I vowed, I was like, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna paint love in many languages, and I'm gonna do exactly what I want to do. Mm. And I realized, I'm like, that's not true to who I am or what I want to do, and as soon as I started talking to the students, and I heard it was important to them, mm. I was hearing these words in English and Spanish, but all these things that were so really important. And I'm like, why? Like, the only thing that I, I, I need to do is paint what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. And so I covered this beautiful 80-foot wall that helped me spray paint it. Uh, Palermo School, which was so much fun. Uh, I helped the kids spray paint. And I painted their words, their interests, their things on this wall. And it just was one of the first times it really just showed how exciting it is to be completely like out of my own element, like diving into a new community, a new space, yeah. and just telling them and visually showing them what I heard and what I saw. Mm -hmm. And being a reflection, being a, a creative mirror for them, and just seeing how amazed they were in responding to it. And so in that sense, I think, you know, I'm somewhere between artist and storyteller and, and scientist, but I just I love being able to think on the fly, react on the fly, and create on the fly that represents, you know, the, the, my creative talents, but showcasing the thoughts and ideas of some other group. Mm -hmm. What a potent, potent experience to, and metaphor of like, 
going in somewhere, having, you know, our own idea about what should happen, what can I bring here, versus then being present in the moment, recognizing what is, and the value of letting go mm. of what I wanted it to be, what I think it should be, and allowing that, you know, in a creative expression and also in, in general life, like allowing things to unfold can oftentimes bring something even better than what we had planned. I agree. I think surrendering to the moment and being really aware of your surroundings and what's happening and listening to every shape, color, shape, color, size, person. Like I just, I love the inclusive aspect of what I do, and I feel, you know, giving a voice to the voiceless or giving a visual to to a place that didn't have one in, in a representation of what they wanted to see. It's just uh, super exciting and gets them, you know, I'm excited to kind of showcase um, that mirror to them and I think they get really excited to see kind of how it comes together and, and see how their space can be a reflection of who they are. Mm -hmm. What a gift. And it goes back to the wedding gift, yeah. you know, it's like so easily we can purchase something for someone, but there's so much meaning and the creation and the personalization and um, yeah, the it's, truth it's is. definitely related. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back at it, I, I like the idea of a personalized touch. And I think that we are all different and we all can uh, give and receive differently. But I just, I really love giving something that I think is special and unique to a friend, a family, a community, mm -hmm. a space that just really uh, is unique and just speaks to how I see or how I listen to them. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, let's see. So many other questions. Why, given that we're talking about in the broader context, our inner human experience through your career, your purpose. Why do you think art is necessary? Okay, what is art and why is it why is it necessary? So I go back, I think that art is storytelling and I think it's necessary because it gives a visual context to space and time. You know, when I paint at a wedding or I paint at a charity event or, or at a major brand event, I like to think of it as taking what's happening and capturing the energy and visualizing it. And so when I paint at a wedding and I ask people about what a couple and then they, they say certain words, you're taking that energy and then that, that couple can have that painting and see everything mm. that, the, you know, that was said about them on their wedding day. Mm -hmm. um, I did one at a charity event uh, not too long ago and I asked people, what does this charity mean to you? And it was a light, it was a my face, it's kind of similar to Operation Smile, they fix cleft palates and uh, facial surgeries. And to see the, the families and the children seeing such positive, powerful descriptions of what this charity did for them around it is, you know, they may hear it, they may see it, but like to have that captured in a painting, to see all in your office or in your space yeah. all the time is really, really meaningful. And so I think there have been times in my life where I thought like art is up to the interpretation of the observer, and I definitely love that. I'm not trying to kind of force certain meaning on mm -hmm. uh, my pieces, but I feel like with my paintings, I often, think, especially with my paintings, I feel like it is a um, it's a duet between myself and the customer or myself and the crowd. So sometimes I lead, mm -hmm. sometimes you lead, mm -hmm. but we have to find that happy balance. Like if you're telling me I just want this logo painted this way, yeah. There are a million other people who can do that. That's not necessarily what I want to do. Yeah. But if you're saying I have this idea and I want it to be infused with these positive ideas, and like you put your spin on it, like it has to be somewhere between that. You know, 100% creative freedom is amazing, and when a client pays you for that, it's like the greatest gift. <laughs> but usually, it's somewhere between. But it can't yeah. be you know too far over 100% them because then you're just kind of you know uh, a higher gun to just go paint a certain design. That necessarily is not. Uh, the best use of, of my time or my messaging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
When we spoke off camera, you said that you felt like your definition and perception of art kind of differed from friends or maybe conventional definitions and ideas. How do you think it differs? So I think there's two major ways it differs. I think we've talked a little bit about yeah. both those ideas, but the idea of, you know, for example, like an abstract painting, you see it on the wall and the, the painter may not be telling you anything about it. Like you go in and you interpret it yourself. You know, if you see one of my one love, custom one love paintings with love in many languages and then all the words around it that the client has given me, there is a certain inherent meaning in there. Right. I'm not necessarily, I feel like I don't necessarily force it in your face, but I feel that this positive, colorful, uplifting messaging is present in everything I do. And then the other aspect is really just in terms of how much of me is in my piece. And I see a lot of people, and their art is beautiful, and that can be uh, multiple different interpretations and infinite number of possibilities, you know, a lot of people put their own tag or their own word or their own idea out there and it's just about who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a beautiful place for that. Mm -hmm. And I just like to think of my work more as, you know, my interpretation of where I am kind of more collaborative. I'm not just putting, you know, Marco Santini huge on a, on a wall. It's, it's an interpretation that is collaborative. And I think that's where it's somewhere you know, when I think of it, it's really this mixture of art and communication and, and science and interactivity rather than me just going and doing the same logo or paste up or name everywhere um, that some other artists do. Yeah. Totally. Surrounded by your art here, what, it literally goes on all wall. It's picking where to section off was not easy. What's your favorite piece that you've ever done of yours? Oh man, this is so tough. There's <laughs> pieces that are irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of what personalized paintings of my family and my wife, my son. Um, it's different to, it's difficult to pick a favorite. I mean there are meaningful pieces in different ways. I talked yes. about the meaningful piece about like figuring out I wanted to pursue art professionally in that moment capturing you know, an idea that I had that was crazier than I had in my imagination, realizing if I could do that, I could do anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm painting this, this uh, you know, Love Yourself sculpture, the first time I painted Love in over 100 languages, and kind of really setting into this idea of loving yourself despite your size, your shape, your asymmetry, kind of accepting who you are and loving who you are, and making anything possible, and I love that core idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, the truth is, like, my, my, my favorite product is everything I'm working on now, because I get to, you yeah. know, new challenge, new idea, you know, I just came back from a few days away and I've got a custom uh, one love painting for Father's Day uh, mm -hmm. delivery in Jersey. Um, I got another delivery for Jersey for a friend of mine. I've got the mural painting this weekend at the Carnival in, in Long Island. Next weekend I'm painting a door in central Jersey and then a, a large mural in Philadelphia and two murals in Philadelphia. Um, it's just, it's, I'm very lucky to be at a point where I am busy and kind of, you know, uh, overwhelmed in a very good way of having a lot of different inquiries uh, come in, but, you know, very grateful to, have, to be meeting people like yourself at live events and um, at different interaction activations, but the, the necessary evil of social media is definitely um, uh, very present in my life. It's, it's how a lot of my work comes, uh, a lot of my commissions and a lot of my inquiries mm. come through. And it definitely sucks up a lot of my time, energy, and patience, but it's also just how a lot of my business happens. And so I call it a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, but one thing I do tell you know, my students or people who are, are starting out in the art world is that social media in some ways can be a really beautiful uh, evening playing field where it doesn't matter if you have no followers or a million followers, if you have quality work, it's gonna speak for itself. And when the right person sees it or when it gets in front of the right hand, it's going to make a difference. And so uh, I do feel that social media has its importance in a creative aspect, mm -hmm. an entrepreneurial lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And balancing that out, I've tried to put time <laughs> limits on it, and sometimes I abide by it, and sometimes I don't, but it really helps to, to share with the world and in turn be uh, rewarded with different projects. Yeah. Yeah, I know, that's literally the worst question I've ever <laughs> someone could ask. Um, Interesting that you talk about social media, um, and especially, specifically, in totally, 
that like leveling of the playing field, I think especially in the art world, that's really um, democratizing. Mm -hmm. And also that necessary sort of evil feeling of like, in a, okay, so in an ideal world, if that wasn't how people reached you, would you use social media for your work? Probably not. I heard a story a few uh, years ago about a friend of mine who came to see my gallery show and he said that he works with an artist. He's at a super high level, but mm -hmm. he only sells artwork to people who come see him in the middle of nowhere at his art studio and have to see it in person. I'm like, what a luxury to like live wherever you want uh -huh. and be at such a level where people can only, they can't see it on social media, they can't see it on website, you have to physically be there, see it in person, and then, and then get it, right? Like that is uh, amazing. I do think that that can be limiting and then totally. maybe at such a level that like there's so many people coming in but mm -hmm. it's very uh it's very very specific mm -hmm. and then the idea of social media I've, I've done everything from like posting pieces with prices to posting um pieces without prices to just like i i don't love to use it as like hey here's a thing go buy it right i think it's more about here's all the things that i'm creating and people mm -hmm. will see my work at a school and say hey can you do this at my school or like this mm -hmm. is a job i did you know, mirror light painted here. Can you come paint this in my house or in my office? And so mm -hmm. it really allows for just people to see the the diversity of my work and to see that you know I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not just trying to you know uh, cash in and leave. You know, especially with some of these NFT projects. Yeah, uh, I've, done, I've done pretty well. Saw my first few, and I'm working on this big uh, art documentary that's been following me around to kind of showcase the launch of this new NFT series I'm working on. Interesting. And it's really important to me because it's something that I worked on for the last few years during COVID. It's something uh, Sotheby's called a, a new art category, which I think is quite fascinating in terms of what I'm specifically doing. Mm -hmm. And just something that I love. It's like my little baby I've been like holding so tightly. I don't want to show anybody. And now I'm trying to like launch into the world and all the crazy, beautiful things that are happening around it. But even with that, the reason I bring it up is I'm not just in it to cash in and leave. Like I am an artist through and through. And I always have bigger and crazier ideas that I can't wait to, you know, launch uh, from my head into paper into draft into design mm -hmm. but until i get there i'm kind of like working my way up and just focusing on different ways to uh, express myself with the collaborative nature of others mm -hmm. so many questions <laughs> so many okay i want to talk to you about nfts but first i think okay so in terms of social media being an artist putting your work on the internet um in a sense for free what is your, because I know there are, you know, probably as many opinions about this as there are people, but what is your opinion about, like, the, the, I don't even, not necessarily copyright, but, like, just the even sort of um, spiritual trampling, if you may, Ooh, <laughs> of using someone's piece, posting it, sharing it, whatever, without, like, I mean, obviously, you know, on your pieces are your name and whatever, your signature, but without that sort of context of, like, attaching the artist to the piece. Yeah, you don't get to control it once you put it out there. Yeah. Right? And I think that's very, you know, being a street artist kind of helps with that. Once you, mm. once you paint a mural, anyone can take a photo of it, anyone can post it, they can tag you or not tag you, kind of have no idea right. how it's going to be. Uh, explored in this in this beautiful world and I think social media is very similar I, I'm very honored when people take photos in front of my work or share mm -hmm. it uh, it's kind of it helps to uh, see how it's appreciated and how to get the message out but it's kind of like this letting go I've also talked to a few of my uh, artist friends who some of their murals like get you know photographs and then people are selling prints of it yeah, yeah. photo of it you know Times Square over and I would think it would be, get people really upset and frustrated and you know, someone else is making money off your work. As soon as you put it up on the street, someone can take a photo right. and, and sell that. Um, but it, it, in essence, it's helping you get it out there. Okay. And if you're up to a certain level, you know, you're probably making, uh, you know, a living with it or at least making money off of it in different ways. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the idea of, of letting go is really helpful, uh, kind of leveling up kind of uh, aspect of creatives and entrepreneurs need to have. I mean, totally. I love my pieces and I'm so excited by them and sometimes it can be so hard to let go. My roommate in college told me that there are certain um, rug makers in the Middle East that make like a perfect, incredible, like mm -hmm. multi-dimensional, geometric, uh, you know, amazing rug. 
and then at the end, they would like snip a little piece of it, like cut a little piece of it, and like only you know our creator could be perfect, or this kind of idea like that nothing is perfect, and then it's like easier to let go. And so that was like an interesting, <laughs> you know, idea that I worked early on in my career. Yeah. But I think I really have transitioned recently to this idea of just being so honored that people would want my work in their space, and mm -hmm. just this idea of like there was a piece I made recently for a client in California, and I just I really. Uh, Loved it. It was probably one of my wife's favorite pieces, and it was just like it was initially could have been viewed as maybe tough to let go. But then I was just thinking he's going to enjoy this so much in his house in a different state across the country. Like mm -hmm. how how awesome is it? And how honored am I to have my piece there? Yeah. And so you know, the switching the mindset I feel like is really helpful going from you know starting out as an artist or creative or entrepreneur into kind of being a successful one mm -hmm. is being able to you know worry about things that are important and yeah. not worry about things that are kind of holding you back. Totally, totally. I like that, you know, the example from the piece in California because it's like you said, it's the mindset of viewing it and it's also really simply spreading that energy of that piece and the more that it spreads, the more the impact the piece can have on, you know, Everyone in every space. Yeah. Okay, NFTs. <laughs> NFTs. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, this can be our last topic. Of oh, no, okay, yeah. Um, what what is your your take on them? What depending on how much you want to share about what you're doing in terms of that project that you described? I'm just so curious because I think that it's a really, it's an interesting new dimension yeah. of art and intersection between the physical and digital creation. Absolutely. Space. So I look at NFTs, they can be anything and everything, but really they're a digital signature showing who owns what. Mm -hmm. The big thing that I try to explain to not only my clients, but friends and people who ask is really this idea that it's not just digital asset. Sometimes that digital asset can be linked to another asset, access to a certain group, like you see with the, some of the big collections. It can be physical pieces. So for, for me, I've sold my first three NFTs and everyone has been linked to a physical piece. So you get the digital pieces kind of an add-on to the physical piece. And so they have kind of two for one, if you will. They have the physical piece in their home, they have the digital version, the, the, the metaverse, whatever you want to call it. And then if they ever want to flip that or sell that, depending on how things go, and then my prices have been very luckily steadily increasing, uh, they could potentially flip that and maybe even make money off of it and get the painting for free, so who knows? But mm. for me, I really like creating value in the real world based on it, and so my new series that um, I can tease a little bit does have aspects where it brings value in the real world. I still think that I'm not necessarily just a digital artist, just creating JPEG, just creating cool imagery. I am, and, I want it to be something that kind of bridges the gap between physical and digital. So that is that is a major focus of mine. And I think it's easier for people to understand this aspect of it than rather than, hey, this is a, a digital image and anyone can copy and paste, but if you own it, you have to pay a crazy amount of money for it. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, and I think right now with the, uh, at least, what are we in, um, mid-June 2022, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to cut that out or not, but at least for context, uh, you know, the markets, did. either way, yeah. the cryptocurrency markets can go up, they can go down, they're right. definitely more volatile than the um, more traditional markets, and I think a lot of value is tied up in that, and when markets are hot, there's more spending and understanding, when markets aren't, there is less, and pieces are valued less, but Mm -hmm. It allows for just so much more creativity. I mean, you could be in the middle of nowhere, like mm -hmm. I was talking about with that guy, creating digital assets, and people buy them, and you're you're creating a new lifestyle. I've heard many stories about young kids and people leaving their job and just creating all these interesting collections and ideas. But I still think my personal perspective is that it has to have some link in the real world. Whether you're, mm -hmm. you have access to X, mm -hmm. you you get Y, you can you know come to this to studio and meet art. Like it has to have something that's interesting. Yeah. that you as a NFT holder get access to. I love that. I think that's such an important piece. I don't know if you have seen this, if you've poked around on resale at all, but one of our tags <clears throat> is join us in the real world. Mm. 
and this idea of um, what is real and what is really important in that. And I think that, you know, you're bringing that physical experience to your NFT creation is so, I think that that's so important and valuable. And, you know, when it's so easy to kind of like drift off into the technology sphere, whether it's in any way, shape or form, like even just simply like scrolling on social media, what are we, or purchasing NFTs, digital art over like a physical piece to put in a space, what is being lost from that? Mm. What is being gained, but what is what is being lost? And I think what's being lost is something deeply of value. I think the pandemic definitely extended that crazy run of just, you know, I'm in my house, I can't leave as much, I don't have as much, uh, you know, choice or freedom as I had for a while. I have to stay, you know, indoors. I can create my own world. I can be anywhere. I can look however I want. I can have whatever I want in my digital world. I mean, my, mm. my girls are crazy about Roblox. And like, <laughs> they, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like digital world. Like, you can make your own house. You can put your own yeah, art in. Yeah. They're growing up in a world where they're using their physical money to buy digital assets. Mm -hmm. And so I think that kids are growing up, a lot of kids are growing up that way and being okay with it. Whereas, you know, when we were growing up, it's like you pay for the game and then the whole game is free. Now right. it's like the game is free, but you pay for things in the game and that can be way more money, way more expensive. Totally. And so um, it is a new way of thinking. And usually sometimes when things are so crazy and out there, it just happens to be what the future is going towards. Uh, it's tough to understand, but I see a place for it. I do like the democratization of uh, of finance and banking. I love the mm -hmm. idea of connecting directly with customers and not having as many middlemen. So I, I love mm -hmm. the idea that the blockchain is based on. And I think that hopefully the people who are there are and leading it are people who can actually you know commit to those and, and make those happen rather than just kind of make money off of it or, or uh, you know fool people into certain projects and ideas. Totally. Totally. There's something I have to say about what you said. Um, Blockchain, Roblox, digital assets. Roblox. <laughs> um, it's a great thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Always spreading the green juice love. I love the house of juices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was it? Oh, oh, yes, okay. The point about COVID and like, you know, in that box, literally and metaphorically of what can't be done, creating in that space in any way and capacity, um, our lives, what, what can bring us joy. Um, I am a photographer. And one of the series that I developed and put together during COVID was based on that exact idea, which is the ability for a physical piece of photography to transport us endlessly elsewhere mm. into another moment, another space, another um, energy by by engaging with it and by um, being present with it. And I think that that's, yeah, it's really like physical, digital, it doesn't really matter. I think that's part of the beauty, you know, if you look at the silver lining, if you will, of the pandemic is that it forced a lot of people indoors. And I think a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs had chances to create new ideas and explore new mediums. And I think you're looking at this creative awakening that's really happening where, you know, as the pandemic is ending, as different, you know, things are coming back to, to new normal, mm -hmm. there's just gonna be an explosion of creative ideas that's mm -hmm. happening during this and, and being launched now, being launched in the you know, near future. Mm -hmm. And that's where my big NFT project, I spent the whole time like learning different programs and understanding different ideas. Uh, and looking at the greatest artists of all time to understand like what did they do that made yeah. them meaningful, like how were their styles unique and different, and then translating that into these new ideas 
And I think, you know, for me, it'll be something really special and really new because I had the time to focus on myself where I, you know, before a pandemic, I had a 90% client work and 10% mm-hmm. personal work. Mm-hmm. And that completely shifted to maybe 10% client work and 90% time to focus on myself. And so luckily I was healthy and safe, uh, you know, being here in New York City, uh, epicenter of sorts, but mm-hmm. it really gave me a chance. Like I'm used to staying, living in my art studio and being able to have all these creative mediums and ideas and just bringing certain crazy thoughts to life. So. Um, I definitely took advantage of it in certain ways, and I'm just glad we're nearing the end of it, uh, hopefully, and uh, waiting for all these creative ideas like yours to to hit the world. Yeah. Beautiful place to to end it. Thank you so much, Marco. This is awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Our first, this is the first video um, version of the podcast. Amazing. And I'm so glad (laughs) that it's interesting. Thank you so much, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in this inspiring conversation. Let me know what your takeaway is or an aha moment that you had from our chat in the conversations channel of the Reself community. Again, link is in the description. As I listened back to our conversation and I reflected on the importance of approaching certain elements of quote-unquote progress with mindfulness, looking to history for wisdom when charting in uncharted territories. We've spoken about the metaverse before on the podcast and the dangers of living in a digital world, which is why I was so fascinated to hear Marco's take on NFTs and absolutely love his approach to linking those digital assets back to something in the real world or a real physical piece of his. So here's my question to us all. In that context... Would you rather be handed a future or create the future? That is to say, if what we resist persists, instead of resisting or reacting to what is and what already is being created or laid out for us, what if we act in alignment with our own vision and values, creating and contributing instead of reacting? I would love to hear your reflection on this or anything from the episode so share those reflections in the reself community until next time have a beautiful week bye everybody